Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask you, Lord, just to uh, open our hearts to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So y'all are about to witness a miracle. I have never, I don't think ever, talked anywhere close to a Christmas message around Christmas. And so this is like the first time I've ever been like close to the theme of the season. And so um, this is pretty close, I think. And so uh, this is the most controversial subject in the Bible. It's the most controversial subject in world history. It is more controversial than any political hot topic we could talk about. And more controversial than any buzzword or buzz phrase you may have heard in your social media stream. The topic today is the deity of the Lord Jesus. That Jesus is Lord. The fact that Jesus is Lord is what makes our Christianity of substance. It's what makes it real. The fact that he was born of a virgin. The virgin birth is a central doctrine for the Christian believer. And to, to say that Jesus was just another man or that he was just another prophet implies that he was not born of a virgin. Why is that so important? Why is the, the birth through Mary, why, is that, why does that matter so much? Why, why is that so central? Well, the truth is, is that the blood that man receives comes from their father. And so the blood that you receive, that you receive, it comes from me. There's a natural bloodline that comes into him. And so if Jesus was born of the bloodline of Adam, then he would be sinful. And if he was sinful, then he wouldn't be a perfect sacrifice. And if he wasn't a perfect sacrifice, he could never redeem the world of sin and could never save us. He could never be the perfect offering to cleanse us from our sin. And so that Mary conceived him supernaturally means that the Heavenly Father... God is our Father, so that that means that there is a heavenly bloodline. There is a heavenly flow that flows from God the Father. The blood that we receive now doesn't come from Adam, but it comes from God the Father. That means every generational curse, everything connected to your past, everything connected to your history that is sinful, you are cleansed from. But you have to apply this. You just, it's not just a wishful thought. Yes, the blood of Christ is available for all, but the blood has to be applied to our life. And that's why we say, by the blood of Jesus, we come out of every generational curse. We come out of every demonic assignment. We come out of every bad thing. My history, oh, well, my mom, or my brother, or my cousin, they've all had these problems. And that's why I have these problems. So that, that may be the truth. But the higher truth is, is that by the blood of Jesus... We are brought out of it. And so what we would say, your confession would be, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your blood that severs me from my old life. That severs me from my old bloodline and has brought me into a new bloodline. You know, I, I've heard ministers do away with the concept of, of generational curses and do away with the concept of these things. And it is in good heart uh, to say that you're under the new bloodline of Christ. But you have to apply the blood. The blood has to be applied to specific areas. You know, just like the, the blood of the lamb that was put over the doorpost 
It had to be applied to the doorposts. It didn't matter that the, the blood was there in the bucket. They could have had the blood in the bucket all day long. You know, when the death angel was coming and um, Israel was commanded to put the blood over the doors. They could have kept the blood, the blood in, in the bucket. But that wouldn't have been sufficient. They actually had to take in and apply the blood. And so that's what we're talking about. And so the deity of the Lord Jesus is controversial. Because if Jesus is Lord, if He is the Word made flesh, then the Bible is true. And if the Bible is true, then it summons all the world into account. It calls everyone into an account. Have you ever heard this uh, phrase, Jesus is either liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's Lord. He's only one of those three. Either he was a liar, and everything he said was false, the conception was false, or he was a madman. You know, a lot of Pharisees, a lot of people, the, the, the political leaders, they thought he was crazy. Because they said, Jesus, are you really Lord? And he says, it is as you said. In other words, I am Lord. And then when people said, why don't you send someone to, uh, to deliver you? They struck him and, and punched him, said, prophesy to us, who hit you? If you're really Lord, you know, challenging his authority. And Jesus, when he was being confronted with all these people, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I could have angels come and deliver me. But he was on a mission. And so the deity of Jesus is central doctrine. And I believe that we're coming to a place where you will have to defend it. I really believe all believers will have to uphold doctrinal stances. What I found during my, um, during my religious exemption process for my, for my company, when they're asking, why do you have this stance? Why do you have these decisions? When I was answering those questions, what I found is I was making doctrinal statements, doctrinal stances. I believe in the Word of God. I derive my faith from the Word of God. And the Word of God says this about my body. The Word of God says this about my temple. The Word of God says this about divine healing. The Word of God says this about atonement and the price Jesus paid in His body for our healing. Not only to be healed, but to minister healing and then to walk in divine health. Doctrinal, sound doctrinal stances. But you know, I would say most churches don't teach doctrine. Most churches don't teach this kind of stuff because it's not, it's not uh, it doesn't, it's not 10 ways to do your time management. It's not 10 ways to figure out how your life can be improved. Doctrine is, is foundational for us because it, it centers us. It's the truth. And so the deity of the Lord Jesus begins with his virgin birth. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, uh, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear his son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Luke chapter 1 verse 31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Luke 1.35 says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So Jesus was both the Son of Man... Meaning he lived on the earth in the mortal suit, in a bodily suit. The song we sang says, the veil of flesh. 
He was son of man. But the fact that he was born of a virgin makes him son of God. That was a, a wild statement for him to make. When he said, Gee, God is my father, that was a slap into the face of Pharisees. When he said, our father, that was a game-changing statement. The idea that man, mortal man, could call God the creator their father was so far-fetched. Like it was, whoa, who does this guy think he is? And they would look at him. He's a false prophet. Look at him. Who does he think he is that he blasphemes? Didn't he come from a little manger? Who is this person that's making himself out to be the son of God? It is, you know, if you talk to Muslims, if you talk to people on the other side of the world, they believe in the existence of Jesus. There's a historical fact that Jesus walked on the earth. Like it is, it's not, uh, it's not just by faith, although we have it by faith, but it's his, there's historical account that Jesus lived and breathed, walked on the earth and was crucified and he's been risen from the dead. And so, but a lot of people of other faiths say he's just a good prophet. He was a good man. I heard someone say, uh, you know, they were talking, there was <laughs> some interview and the guy was Jewish and, uh. Someone asked him, what do you think about Jesus? And he said, oh yeah, he's one of our best. <laughs> you, know, you know, one of our best Jews. One of the best ones we ever had. He's the best. You know, but him being Lord is controversial. Jesus is my Lord. There will come a day where saying Jesus is my Lord is a life or death decision for many people on the earth. And I think more so on this side of the world than we, than we thought in the past. No, Jesus is my Lord. Uh, what was the name of that movie we watched with, um, with Jim Caviezel? Um, Infidel. Have you all seen Infidel? Just watch Infidel. It's a good movie. But he was, a, he was a reporter, and he went to the other side of the world, and he was interviewing uh, in a Muslim co- country. And uh, the guy was interviewing him, um, and he's, they were talking about the similarities between their Muslim faith and the Christian faith, and how we could unite because we both believe in Almighty God, and that we could acknowledge the existence of Muhammad or or uh, one of the one of the one, yeah, one of the prophets, and um, one of the Muslim prophets, and they could acknowledge the existence. Of Jesus, that Jesus was alive, that he was a good prophet. And so they were trying to bond. They were trying to find a sense of unity. But there is no unity. They asked uh, Jim Caviezel, I don't remember his, his actor name. They asked him, said, you know, what do you think about this? And they're kind of Q&A back and forth. And then he says, Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus is God and he wants to be your God. And uh, the, the guy interviewing said, he kind of froze like he couldn't believe he said that. Because if he makes Jesus out to be God, that means Allah is not God. And he goes, oh, this is just, this is just semantics. You know, it's just the language that we're using. We're from different cultures. And Jim says, no, it's not semantics. Jesus is God. And hence he, he ended up getting arrested and and was tortured and all kinds of problems because he went to a Muslim country and he said, Jesus is Lord. 
Truth is, the God that the Muslim community serves is not God the Creator. Like, that behind an idol is a demon spirit. That's why you have the fruit of demonic fruits. It's not the same God. So, if you're riding in an airplane, you're sitting next to a Muslim, and they say, oh, I love God, and you say, oh, I love God too. We're not talking about the same people. It's not the same God. Oh, I'm going through Jesus and you're going through Muhammad. Everyone can find their own way. That's, that's what culture tells us. Is that you can find your way to God. You can go through Allah. You can go through Muhammad. You can go through whatever other medium. And we're all going to get to the same creator. And that's not true. If you go through these other ways, they don't, the end road of that is not God the Father, Lord of heaven and earth creator. It is not Yahweh. It's not the everlasting God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's not the Alpha and Omega. It, the output from going that other route has a different destination. Behind other gods, behind other mediums, other prophets, behind other idols are demonic spirits. There are other spirits. So to say Jesus is Lord and only Lord and there is no other... Man, we have, we, we have, we are taking, that is a strong stance now. I think 20 years ago, the nation was, was still, had a lot of Christian influence now. But now, because the influence of Christianity throughout our media outlets, and even the influence of Christianity politically and what's being legislated, because the influence of Christianity has been diminishing, to say Jesus is Lord and He's the only Lord, And under no other name can man be saved but by the name of Jesus. That is a strong stance. This is the deity of Christ. So what makes him Lord? What makes him deity? What makes him God? Is his virgin birth. Number two is his sinless life. So one, he was born of a virgin, meaning he didn't have the inherent sin of being a son son of Adam. Like we were born in sin, hence our need for a Savior. When we were born, even a baby is born in sin. Audrey was born and had a need for a Savior because she, had, she inherited iniquity because of the sin of Adam. That's the natural thing. And so we need to deliver. And so, but Jesus, because of he was born a virgin, he began without sin. Hebrews 7.26 says, uh, this is the Amplified Classic. Here is the high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs. As was fitting, holy, speaking of Jesus, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens. His sin of his life is found in 1 Peter 2, verse 22, Amplified Classic says, He was guilty of no sin, neither was deceit or guile ever found on his lips. That Jesus lived in the earth completely perfect. Why is this, his sinless life uh, so important? Because he needed to be a perfect sacrifice. He had to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. If he was found in sin, you know, they called him a drunkard. Who is this guy that spends time with Mary and casts out seven demons? Well, she, was, she was the prostitute, right? Mary Magdalene? Mm-hmm. Cast out seven demons. Jesus, you shouldn't be hanging out with her. I mean, that, that can look bad on your character if you, got, if you have this woman who is formerly a prostitute is always at your side. And then comes over and breaks open oil and washes your feet. 
That's pretty intimate, right? But yet he put himself in that situation, but it was, was completely without sin. His heart was clean. His heart was pure. And so his life in the earth with live without sin is what makes him Lord. It's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. It is why he is our, our, our lamb that was slain for us. He was what, what was necessary, the pure blood of Jesus poured out. You know, when he was on the tree and they stabbed him in the side and the blood poured out of his side, that's what made that water and blood. It's what made it pure and holy. That's why it's, it's referred to by a lot of scholars and, and uh, psalmists as the fount. Speaking of the fountain. Well, when we think of a fountain, we think of water in a desert. Water in a dry place. A refreshing, something giving life to us. And they called the blood that poured out of his side the fountain. The fountain that poured out of him. Because out of his side came life. Out of his side came holiness. Out of his side came cleansing. From all of our sin and all of our wickedness, all of our iniquity. That's why we use the parallel of Eve was taken out of the side of Adam. So was the bride of Christ taken out of the side of Jesus. And so th- this is where we come from. The, the church was birthed out of the side of Jesus. The church was birthed out, out of what was poured out of him. Because that's when the beginning uh, of Christianity really happened was when his blood poured out. One of the quotations, or one of the uh, prophecies of the names of Jesus was everlasting father. If you ever heard the term everlasting father, it often gets misused in, uh, in a oneness theology, which says that there is no Holy Spirit, there is uh, no father, it's just Jesus alone, because he's called everlasting father. That's one of his names. But that is one of the names of Jesus. It's like, think of it this way, that Abraham was the father of the faith. So Jesus was the father of the everlasting people. He was the first one. He was saying he was first. He was the first one to taste of everlasting life, meaning that he went to the grave and came back. One other name is he's the firstborn of the dead. He's the only one who went down and he was birthed back. Uh, I heard a prophet say the other day that one man's tomb is another man's womb. He paid the price for our sin. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's the one that has gone and redeemed us back. He's bought us back with his blood. Like I, I think that the stories of uh, the scriptures of the deity of Jesus, I just feel so much life on it because it's truth. What makes him Lord is his miracles. Acts chapter 2 verse 22, New American Standard says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know. So the apostles were giving witness. We saw miracles flow through this man. You know, when Jesus healed a person of blind, uh, of blind eyes, and he, that person was being asked by others, who did this to you? He said, this guy. You know, or someone that, got, uh, that was paralyzed. He said, who told you to pick up your mat and walk? He said, this person, this, this, this guy. Like, there was a witness of his miracles in the earth. And it spoke of who he was. Because Jesus said, if you don't believe me, believe my works. If you don't believe in what I'm saying, look at what I'm doing. And the people say, never before has someone healed a, a paralyzed man. Never before has someone healed a blind man. And Jesus says, if you can't believe what I'm saying, look at my works. 
His works testify that he is the son of God. Acts 10.38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. His miracles testify that he is God. Let's keep going. Um, The deity of the Lord Jesus. It's evident in his substitutionary work on the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 says, For I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. What a powerful scripture. That what makes him Lord is that he took our place, that we belong on that cross, that we deserve the punishment of death because of our sin, that we deserve to be forsaken even as Jesus was forsaken. Not because God is being, but because God is holy. That is, and, and the death is not, is not because God is mean, but it's because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God now is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Like this is the gospel. The, the, the deity of Jesus is the message of Jesus. This is why we, we should preach it at, at Christmas time. I think we should preach it because it is, it is foundational to, to our walk with the Lord. It is foundational to our faith that what do we actually believe in? Like we, we gather, we sing, we eat, we do outreach, we do missions, we do whatever. We, we plant, we sow, we do the whole thing. But what is it? Like this is it. It should be exciting, right? Like this is truly what, uh, what we believe in. What makes him Lord is his bodily resurrection from the dead. It says in Matthew 28, 6, he is not here. For he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. I love this, his bodily resurrection from the dead. Meaning his physical body came back. You know, when he went back and he saw Thomas, y'all remember Thomas? He, Jesus went and he visited the apostles, or the disciples, uh, the apostles, and, uh, and Thomas missed it. You know, <laughs> what, what a bad day to not be there. You know, you miss out when you don't, when you don't show up. Well, Thomas missed out. Jesus walked in. Thomas wasn't there. And he, Thomas says, I, only way I'm going to believe is if I, if I put my finger in the holes of his hands. And I'll believe him if I put my, my hand in his side. And Jesus was willing to do that. He showed up again just for Thomas. He says, hey, Thomas, I'm here. He says, look, put your finger and the holes in my hands. So what's that saying is that the holes were there. That means it was his physical body that got resurrected. That Jesus came back. You know, if you've seen the, the Passion of the Christ, the very end, it has Jesus like waving and the sun shining through the holes in his hand. It's proof, it's evident that this was Jesus. This was not, that, that it, it's evident that Jesus lived on earth as a man. This is what made him God, that he, he rose again. Uh, and then he reached out and, and he put his hand in his side. I mean, I don't know that there's a more intimate scripture in the Bible than Jesus saying, oh, pulling down his robe. And the Bible says he put his hand in, in his side. 
I believe that's how Thomas actually, how he was martyred. I believe he was speared in his side. And so it was, uh, it was, it was his actual body came back. Resurrection life came into his body. That's what makes him Lord. And that he did it on our behalf. I'm going to read that scripture again. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. That means all sin. Every sin that we have ever committed, every sin that we will, will ever commit, all sin of all mankind was put on the cross. It made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Now, I want to make it clear what it says on our behalf. It's not speaking of, of just everyone in the world. It is available for everyone in the world. But the blood, again, has to be applied. You have to take the blood out of the bucket and you have to put it on the doorposts. You know, I think there's a doorpost in our heart that the blood in the bucket will not suffice. So I actually have to take the blood and it has to cover, cover us. And there's this doctrine of universalism out there which says that Jesus died for all men so that all men would be saved. Well, Jesus did die for all men that all men would be saved. But that blood has to be applied. The, the blood in the bucket won't do it. It's the blood on the doorpost that gets you delivered. And so he did it on our behalf. Um, his bodily resurrection from the dead. Uh, let's continue with that thought. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. New King James Version says, He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. It was witnessed that I'm done here. These earth clothes, I don't need these earth clothes anymore. He was, he's wearing something different. Clothed with something else. And I believe that, that that's representative of the Bible talks about when we're born again, that we are, we're clothed with Christ. One, one phrase is, we put on Christ. And when we put on Christ, that means we're in Him. And if we're in Him, I love this, Jesus has favor with God. And because I'm in Christ, I have favor with God. Because I'm in Jesus, I'm in right standing with Him. Because I'm in Jesus, I can come boldly before the throne of grace. Because I am in Christ, I don't have to feel ashamed to come to his throne. I just, about just come boldly before the throne of grace that you might find mercy in your time of need. Like, this is why we can go to our Father. It's why we can say, Heavenly Father, come. It's why we can, we can connect with him anytime we need to because we're in Christ. We put on Christ. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Meaning Jesus was not a ghost. Jesus was not a spirit. Uh, just walking around. His spirit was there present, but in his glorified body. Or his, his resurrected body. He had not yet been glorified. His resurrected body. And so his body was, was back. 1 Corinthians 15, 4 says, And that he was buried... And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the last one we'll mention today. The deity of the Lord Jesus is in his exaltation to the right hand of God. So not only that he lived on the earth uh, as a man. A sin free man. He died for our sins. 
was buried, was resurrected, but that he was also glorified. This is so powerful to understand because what you'll see in the life of Jesus is the pattern for every believer. That there is a living in the earth. That there is a time of suffering and persecution. But there is a resurrection in that. And then there's a glorification in the end. That we too live in the earth professing our faith. And we'll have to defend it in some way or another. That we'll be raised up. And ultimately seated with the Lord. We are currently seated with the Lord. Ephesians uh, 2. That we're raised up seated seated in places with God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But there is. We we were saved. We are saved. And then one day we will be saved. So uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things. While they watched. He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. What an amazing thing. This is speaking about the resurrection of Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. Men of Galilee. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up uh, from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Acts chapter 2 verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That Jesus was raised and that he was seated. This makes him Lord. So why do you guys believe in Jesus? He lived. He was sinless. He died for me. He was resurrected. And he was glorified. And so now, because he's done that for me, I call him Lord. Hebrews 1, verse verse 3. Speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This speaks... Of the glorified Son of God. That Jesus lived pure, spotless, holy, born of a virgin. Lived his life on the earth. Died on the cross in our place. Was buried. Three days later was resurrected. He was witness of the apostles. He was seen by others. The Bible says the works that he did. I think it's in the book of John. That all the works that he did. All the things he had done. That the books of the world could not contain what he had done. And that he ascended with the Father and he has now poured out his Holy Spirit. This is our our faith. This is what we believe. The deity of Jesus is the most central message of Christianity. There's a lot of side messages to get to get to go on tangents about. There's a lot of side topics to go on. But this is the centrality of our faith, of what we have to defend. There will come a day when this book will be illegal in the United States of America. I guarantee it. We will see it in our lifetime. Because when I'm asked, Adrian, why do you want this exemption? When you, why do you want this? I tell them because of what this book says. And I cite quotations. And so the world 
has gone after the church and tried to remove the church. Well, what they found out is that the word of God wasn't in the church. The word of God was in the hearts of the people. And so the next thing that they can go after, this guy. They figured it out in schools, and so they got it out of schools. Hence why the public schools start plummeting. And so this will be targeted, I think, sooner than we think. Do you know your own faith? Do you know this? And everyone can have, I'll make copies of this if anyone wants it. You can have it. Do you know your own Christian doctrine? Do you know that who you believe and why you believe? And are you willing to give a defense? That's what I found is in those moments when I'm being asked, why do you have this decision? I found myself giving a defense to an inquiring people. Saying, this is why I believe what I believe. It struck me to be filling out a form for work. Like, if, like you know, you do human resources stuff and you have to fill out, oh, this is my bank information, this is my stuff. This is, you know, to be doing a form like that, but it be about my faith and to be fully telling the story of the doctrine of healing and laying on of hands. So this is why I believe it. And if you'd like to hear more, let me know because I think it would benefit the hearer. We'll have to defend this. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that, the doctrine, the truth of it, not just the scriptures, but the life that is in the scripture, Father God, I pray it would resound in our hearts. God, let us boldly declare this truth of a virgin birth, of your sinless life, of your miracles, of your substitutionary work on the cross, of your bodily resurrection from the dead, and that you were exalted to the right hand of the Father. Lord, this is the truth of the Christian faith. God, I pray we go deep down in our spirits. And may we be a mighty witness for you in the name of Jesus. Amen.